0: In today's interview, we talk about going from that initial aha moment of product development to doing a small test launch, to later getting exposure on the Today Show, and then how to grow your business from there. You'll really enjoy the stories that this husband and wife team share about their product marketing journey. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to have two guests on with us today, Tomoko and Kevin Nadolny. They are the co-founders of a company called RunBell. I'll let them describe exactly what this product is, but uh, when you'll hear it, it's genius. It's one of those problem-solving products. As you hear it, you'll say, why didn't I think of that? I can't imagine this didn't exist before these two co-founders invented the idea a few years ago. So let's let's start our interview, Tomoko and Kevin, by talking first
1: about what is RunBell and how did you develop this product? RunBell is something that you wear on your fingers and it's just like a bicycle bell for runners. So just like bicycles have a bell where they can warn others of their approach because they're coming faster than other people and they're usually coming from behind where you don't see them, runners have the exact same problem and Dense cities or on isolated trails where you can't exactly see everything in front of you, using some sound cue to let people know you're coming. It's automatic. People hear a bell, they know something. is a usually they think a bike is coming, and um, that's what Run Bell is. Run Bell is a wearable bell for runners. The way we came up with it was really um, when we were both living in Tokyo and we're husband wife, and we just had our first son. And that's a huge lifestyle change, right? Um, all of a sudden you have all the free time in the world to do everything you want to do just on your own schedule. And then now all of a sudden you have no time and everything is, you know, focused on raising your kids, raising your baby, especially. And so how do you fit in your workout routine into your daily schedule? So that's when I was like, well, I'm going to keep running, but I'm going to run from the office to home. So I usually took the train home. It took about an hour from door to door. And instead of that, how about I run five miles in less than an hour or about the same with changing and use that same commute time, but for my exercise. So that's what I started to do. And Tokyo is just a really crazy city. It's a lot of fun, a lot of energy, and a lot of people on the streets and tons of lights, tons of ways to get home without having to cross cars and traffic but a lot of people sharing the sidewalk with you. And usually it wasn't an issue. Like usually the sidewalks are pretty, pretty, pretty large, but every once in a while you get in those bottlenecks and you just want to say, Hey, I'm coming through. And a friend of mine in the States was actually making fun of me. He's like, you should try running with this. And he showed a Japanese guy using a bicycle bell walking around Tokyo. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. And I took a bicycle bell and I put it on my fingers and I started to run with that. That's how I got started. Um, obviously, running with a bicycle bell is not nearly as convenient as running as something that fits on your fingers, designed for your fingers. But that was the initial like inspiration was. I started running with a giant bicycle bell on my finger and uh, and tested it out that way to see if it would actually work. And of course it did.
0: And so it's a friendly noise. I think that people are used to it. grabs their attention hearing a ringing bell, like you said, they are assuming it's a bike coming up behind them. Maybe at first, but it grabs your attention enough to make you think to to turn around. But it's not rude or in their face. I, I love the concept. It makes so much sense because I've run. So we, I've lived in uh, near downtown Chicago. It was on the south side. And I lived in downtown Boston, and not quite like Tokyo by any means in terms of crowds, but. I love to run or when I visit New York City, I love to run. Just the energy of running in these crowds, but it's hard. You're constantly stopping, slowing down. And a big part of it is you've got people in front of you. You have to get their attention. And it gets really old, really fast to say, on your left, on your left. I almost Mm -hmm. feel more rude saying that, even though, of course, you're doing it to try to help the whole situation. So I love this concept that it's much more, I would say, friendly in that, uh, in that situation. So yeah, great invention. So that's how it all started back in the day. And then an early part of your launch or success was on Kickstarter. Can you talk a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, we can talk about how we first got to Kickstarter because Kickstarter, you really need to have a prototype and like a manufacturing plan. And so Kickstarter is a great structure because you can go and look and see what all the other successful projects are doing and say, okay, I need to do these steps first. We needed to have a functional prototype. We needed to have some manufacturing. We needed to have a price so that we could charge people and know how much it's going to cost us to make. So we don't lose money. Um, And so one of the like really fortuitous things that happened to us is we went on Amazon, ordered a couple bells that we liked a lot from Amazon Japan and when they came in the mail, we found them and we like, okay, who makes these bells? Like, we know they're from Japanese manufacturers, but where in Japan are they, are they made? Because we like this manufacturer better than that one, because they have the better style, better quality. And so I, I was at home trying to decipher the Japanese. I can read and write and speak Japanese, but not nearly as good as her, of course. And so it took me a long time to figure out where does this person, where's their manufacturing facility?
2: because for us the musical tone is very important we don't want to annoy pedestrians by the like, dinging it like uh, you don't get out of my way we don't want a message like that we just nicely like share the road so we needed to pursue the quality of the sound yeah so we found the manufacturer and then, you know, we just went to all the, you know, information written on backside of the product and then Google it. And then what we found was like that manufacturer was actually literally down the street from where we lived. Like in Tokyo, <laughs> in Tokyo.
1: crazy Tokyo.
2: And then even the, you know, package said that it's made in Osaka, it's not in Tokyo, but the manufacturer actually located in Tokyo. And then yeah we said oh my goodness maybe we really should do this this is really meant to be yeah so yeah i next day i really made a phone call to the guy and that's how we started
0: you know it's it's true serendipity or i think you guys call it you know, fateful encounters and it happens so often in business and in a lot of the interviews that i've done over the years I'm talking to many founders and inventors like yourselves that are is a commonality that there's this serendipitous or fateful moment that turned out to be a turning point, and, and it really varies what that moment is. It's not predictable, but it's all about noticing, I think, and taking advantage of it, right? So, that aha that you felt, I think, like, okay, this is an answer, we've got to try something out, and you know, since then, we'll get into the success you've had since then. It's been really a real starting point for you. You know, I, I rewind a little bit to my business. So we've been around doing video marketing for now seventeen years—a long time—and and, and it's it, our business. In the early days, we've launched. We focused on product launches for the first many years of this, and specifically on TV here in the U.S. and TV infomercials are a very common way, or certainly were. In terms of starting a, a new product campaign, the world has changed over the past few years. But kind of right at the beginning of that change, we had a moment to like let's test some Facebook ads, right? And to be honest, it's this is back like the very early days of Facebook. They didn't work. It was really tough. It was I don't think they'd figured out Facebook meaning on their back end back in the day, many years ago. Yeah. But we kept testing, and there was that one moment, that fateful moment that we had an aha, or you know. Tremendous results right away. And that for us was a completely change, a complete change in the course of our business where we still do national TV launches. We got a couple coming up uh in January in a couple of months, but most of our business has really moved to this digital side and it really came back to this one success early on. And then it's about taking advantage of it, right? So you guys did that too. It's it's finding that and you got to run with it, right? You can't just these fateful encounters, these moments don't just happen to us and like, Hey, we've won. It's about the start of the journey, but going, (laughs) maybe a a course change.
2: Yeah. Fueled us really like we have believed we can do this, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, and then we talk about the success you had on Kickstarter. How did, how did that launch go?
1: The launch was, well, what was it? It was like a 45 day campaign. And for the first, you know, 20 to 30, 25 days or something was pretty like, oh, I don't know if we're going to make it. Like we're like halfway to our goal. Maybe we set our goal too ambitious, product price too low. So we need so many backers. We needed we needed hundreds of backers to reach our goal, which was pretty ambitious for our first time. Like we didn't have an email list to work off. We didn't really have a lot to, you know, set us up for success, like some big companies do, or maybe how we would approach Kickstarter. Now we have a customer base. Um, so we had, we had a little bit of, you know, maybe blind ambition at the beginning, but we started to hit off on just like a few media picked us up because it's a really unique product. Does this really work? Was a big question. So people were debating it. A lot of people didn't like us, which created a debate, something to talk about. So people are like, Oh, this is the dumbest idea. Don't ding it. People. (laughs) And then people are like, no, like you don't understand. I have that situation too. It works, this is a great idea, this is genius. And we had that back and forth. And then a few people uh, from like Outside Magazine and some other big publications came out and said, this is legit, this is a great idea. And then it just exploded off of that. And so we ended up ending our campaign with 700 backers, Mm -hmm. 37 countries and $25,000. And we're like, that's success, we got this. Uh but as you said, that was, that was step one of many steps down the road. So that allowed us to do our initial mass production run, our initial, <laughs> we did a lot <laughs> of stuff after that. Um, so. Never yeah.
2: knew shipping globally, like shipping, like a 37 different countries is so hard. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we had a lot of plans and we pulled it off to all those different countries. But yeah, adding in like Saudi Arabia was a tough one that just never arrived. Um, there was a few that were. Yeah, um, that was by the time we ended up shipping, we had a thousand backers at that point. And so we spent. We, we spent hours and hours packing mm-hmm. it ourselves. Um, yeah.
0: We talk a lot about testing and I think crowdfunding like Kickstarter is one way to do that. There's so many other ways, right? Whether it's like selling at a, a trade show or a flea market or whatever, but that important timing of, of you know, early stage launch of testing, getting feedback before you invest too much of your own money into this, right? Get it, get it, start small and prove the concept and then grow from there. And that's, you know, one thing, of course, that happened. Of course, it helps with funding, right? To to build out that first manufacturing Uh, run as well. What came next though? So after this success was proven or tested on on Kickstarter, what was next for your business?
1: That was an excellent question for us (laughs) at the moment. So our campaign ended and we just got all this great publicity and we're having tons of backers every day, like coming in. And then when it ends, it's just over. And we didn't have a website set up. We didn't know e-commerce. We didn't know how to do collect payments And that was kind of before Shopify or maybe when Shopify was just getting off the ground, a lot of people hadn't figured out how to like make that as a service to small businesses to collect payments online. Um, so there was a lot of learning done really quickly, like immediately after we're like, we need to figure this out immediately. So we, we did find some way of collecting payments online, like safely without, you know, all the credit card theft that happened in the early days of the internet. Um, so setting up our website page was a was a huge endeavor, and we went through many iterations before we landed on Shopify. I think it's the the best, at least at least for me. Um, and then we were also like, how do we keep getting the word out? And luckily, we had a lot of earned media where people saw the product, they saw the the previous, like every every media article that was written kind of like built up to the next one. So then that introduced more media to our products. And then like, well, we want to write about that too. So one thing kept leading to another where we ended up being on the today show a few months later. And so we had the website, we, we had a way of keep making sales and then all of a sudden we're on the today show with like a national TV in the U S you know, completely unpaid for, it's just all earned media where we're just going along for the ride. And, um, that was a really exciting time.
0: Yeah, it can be a real breakthrough in a business to to get that, especially massive nas- national coverage. You know, over the years we've had a lot of clients uh, be on the Today Show and, and Good Morning America and some more things, and it can be a, a direction change or course change for your business to really drive an increase in sales. Right, that that massive exposure kind of starts it off. How did that impact your business from that point forward? So that was, let's call that maybe the first massive. Hit like you've got a bunch of them along the way, but for going from the today show, what how did that help you in your business going forward?
1: You want to talk about it? Or it wasn't necessarily the breakthrough that we were hoping for. Um, it wasn't necessarily we were on the today show, we got all this free press, and then people just came onto our website like crazy. It was a a short period of time where it lasted and it slowly starts to taper off. Um So how do you keep that momentum going year after year? And now we've been in business for almost 10 years. Next year is going to be our 10th year, which is, which is crazy. Um, so finding that momentum and finding that secret sauce to like, you know, find new customers and and make a profit off of that. I would say we're still struggling with how, how do we, what's our secret sauce of doing that? Um, being on all these great TV shows, wasn't, you know, it didn't change the trajectory so much that all of a sudden we were like set and we're like we're we're golden um i I would say it almost you know set us up for higher expectations where we tried to scale too fast and we realized it didn't happen so we had to pull back um so a lot of that was we were like yes we're on this we're going to scale up and then boom it starts to slow down too much and we haven't figured out how to keep it going um another thing was exposure also led to copycats where we had people in china like copying us and sending off you know they photocopy our packaging and they send it just as us it's not our product it doesn't look like and it's not the same quality but they use our they use our brand and they leverage off of it we do have a patent and we were able to successfully drive most of them off the market but that was you know as as we were successful we had other challenges um and so it's been a, it's been an up and down experience since then, I suppose.
2: But when we talk about like a copycat, I actually, it's kind of weird to say, but welcome them. Because when somebody copy you, which means you made right thing. If if it doesn't worth copying, it's not worth copying, then nobody copy, but people started to copy and then just to make exact same thing what we do it's kind of (laughs) cool it just reminded me of like the story of Coco Chanel you know when she of course is a fabulous designer and then all the you know fashion designers copied her and then she said let them copy because the copycats make my stuff more genuine and then stand out it's okay with me I was like that's so cool so I just try to keep our cool, say, okay, <laughs> it's okay. Because we have that quality sound. Of course, we bought some of them, the copycats, but they can't make the same quality sound. This is really crafted in Japan, the Japanese craftsmanship, well, because I'm Japanese. So I'm really proud of it. So, yep.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's very true. It's a, It's a good way to think of copycats because really... Every successful product business is going to generate copycats, no matter your patent protection, no matter what you're doing to to protect yourself. It's just the nature of it, but it is a testament to success. It means, okay, it's selling, it's working. The fact that you want to fight against it as much as you possibly can, but it is unfortunately one of the the things that comes along with a successful product launch for sure. So you mentioned... You talked about how kind of continuing growth. I want to rewind a little bit after getting national exposure, because we've dealt with that a lot with a lot of our clients and just for the benefit of our audience, you know, one of the ways that you can drive continued growth is something controllable, right? So one of the beauties of earned media, like the Today Show, it's fantastic. It's free, drives a, a ton of exposure. It's just hard to scale, right? It's hard to guarantee, okay, we've done this once. You can't just buy it again, right? You've got to earn it again. And you've got a great product like yours. You're going to get those opportunities, but you can't control them as much. So it's getting that combination with earned media and paid media together, now you saw you can scale it, you can control it. And that's one way to go forward. I know you guys have done some of that too. I just want to clarify for our audience. Yes, and then-
2: uh, yeah, definitely. We felt like we are becoming just a one hit wonder. You know, after Kickstarter, yay, we did it. And then all those media like from U.S., France, and then Scandinavia, Japan, and then all those different countries worldwide, that's what we felt, talking about us. But then just the one hit wonder. So we needed to come up with next steps.
1: And that's, that's another way of, you know, addressing copycats is you innovate you keep innovation and keep innovating. Mm -hmm. Um, So we actually had a big lifestyle move where we gave up the, the neon lit streets of Tokyo and we came to a much smaller and still a big city of Portland, Oregon, but, but quite a bit different. Uh, We call it like the trip from neon lit Tokyo to moonlit Portland, where all of a sudden we found we're running in the dark a lot.
2: Not many people. No, no use of rumble.
1: Well, there's use of Rumball. We got trails and we got like the the urban pass along the waterfront. So some places to do, use it. But A lot of the times where we were running, it was so dark. All the streets were dark. Cars are coming oh, by.
2: Yeah, sunset's very early here. Pacific yeah, Northwest. like 4.30 in midwinter. So, yeah.
1: So we're like, we got our next product idea. You know, you need to be heard and you also need to be scene like these two go together so let's create something that not not just allows runners to see in front of them but can also alert others that they're approaching using light instead of sound well, that's the the basic idea and then we want to have we want to build on this ring concept so we have a ring for run bell if it, it wears on your ring so let's take that same idea instead of a bell let's put it a light a wearable light on your hand um like we, we've run with flashlights before. That was kind of like the first thing we did. That was, you know, the 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 fallback is, let me just grab my bike. I got my bike light and I was going to grab it and run with that. Same with a bike bell. you know. I like to bike as well. Um, we could also put a headlamp on it and run with that. A lot of people choose to do that. But I really preferred something in my hand where I could use it to shine where I wanted to or alert people where I wanted to. Same with Tomoko. And so we wanted to have this idea. Let's take that same bike light the same concept as run bell let's put it on their hands and that's and then how do you make it compact ergonomic easy to use um that took a lot of product development and testing we again went back to 3d printing and kind of 3d printed a mold got some electrical wiring put it together you know so so okay and started running with that testing it with friends running hood to coast with it you know hood to coast is an all night like 30 hour it takes us 30 hours um, running event and that was, I I think launching a new product really reinvigorated the whole company. So we had those ups and downs. It's like, okay, now we, we, we can see the vision. We need to keep innovating. And we again launched on Kickstarter. We again launched on or not again, we launched for the first time in Japan on Makwake, which is another Japanese crowdfunding. And, now, <laughs> manufacturing and production of that is a whole side story. COVID hit, all sorts of obstacles hit. Um, our manufacturing partner went bankrupt in the middle right after we sent them money to open the molds. We had to chase a lot of people down. But I think uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs always talk about those struggles that they hit. And then, you know, you can easily just give up and say, I'm out. Like that that was a lot of work it was fun um but it takes like real grit to keep going at it and i think a lot like grit is like the buzzword so it, it, yeah a lot of people say it but i think it's true <laughs> because we just kept going at it and um and we're successful and and I, i've heard you guys compare that grit that difficulty which
0: every business has to pass through just parts part of it right I mean, it makes the journey at the end of it a lot more fun, a lot more meaningful, et cetera. But I've heard you guys compare it to running a marathon, which is obviously very fitting for a business that deals with runners directly. But how do you make that comparison? Like running a business is like running a marathon, especially for those in our audience that maybe haven't done that before.
2: Exactly. That's how I feel. But John, you are also a marathon finisher. That's so amazing.
0: (laughs) I I think I hold the record for the slowest
1: marathon. (laughs) (laughs) But... But you can't you can't go out of the out in a marathon and run as fast as you can yeah, and but, expect to finish. Like yeah. you 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 run fast and you you're pacing yourself and you're pushing yourself to your limits. But you also have to recognize I still have a long ways to go. So pacing yourself, understanding it's going to be a long a long race, and then you also hit the wall at like mile eighteen. You're, I remember mile eighteen, where I hit the wall and I was just like. I was out of gas. I was out of juice. And I didn't really know about fueling and salt on my first marathon. I was just like, I'm young. I'm just going to run.
2: Yeah. But then um, people cheer you up, really.
1: Yeah. Running in like, Japan is the
2: best. Like a lot of people cheer up runners as, you know, it's the same way like running business. You feel like, oh, maybe this is it. But then all those moments, like customers reach out to us with this, such a sweet, lovely feedback on our products. Like, hey, I love, love, love your products because we did that, we do that. It's just fueling us. It's really fuel in the same way, like running marathon and running business. That's I how-
0: love that comparison. And you know, you talk about hitting the wall and it, it happens to pretty much everybody, right? Even the elite runners, et cetera. And I think back to my, my first marathon was the the Boston marathon, which I ran it bandit. I didn't qualify back in the, this is like the nineties, wow. a long, oh. long time ago, you could run it just like, and half the people did it without a number back. It was very different back then. But um, we, it, the, the beauty of that race is there's people along the way. I love how you talked about that, right? And I think when people are cheering for you, even wow. in the hardest times you can make it through. And I, to contrast that, uh, a marathon I didn't finish, I was sick, but also it was, I think, more difficult. It was in New Mexico, beautiful, like white sands and then this long straightaway with nobody on the sides of the road, right? And it was that much more difficult because you're completely alone. And I think a lot of times in business, we feel that way, right? It's about the nice thing as opposed to a marathon. You know, in a real marathon, you can't just manufacture a crowd, right? But in a business, you can find those people that are going to be your cheering section. You will, the, the other difference is a lot of times... The easy crowds in running a business are not cheering you on. They're saying, you'll never do this. You know, it's their naysayers or whatever, because they're not used to it. Yeah. Finding a cheering section that is positively along your side in that journey is necessary, I think. So I, I love, personally, love that comparison. Yeah. Oh,
2: Thanks. thank you. Yes.
0: I want to jump back to one thing and just reiterate. And then after this, i give you guys the chance if, there, if there's anything I didn't ask you that you want to talk about. Uh, before that, though, you talked about innovation, and for the benefit of our audience, I love what you've you've done, and I want to clarify something. So, when you started with Run Bell, you have a product that is relatively a niche product, right? It's for runners, and it's specifically for runners in certain situations, in the beginning, in urban areas, and around you know dark corners and paths and that that kind of thing. Relatively a niche, a ton of runners in the, in the world, of course. And then what I love, and I, what is a common and recommended approach in innovation, is as you expand your line, well, now you've got this, it's easier to launch a niche product, right? It's easier to find people that have a passion for what you're doing when it's a small niche focused audience as opposed to something that works for everybody, right? Because it's that's a, it's a cluttered world out there. But the nice thing is once you've got that audience, now you've sold so many of these over the years, you come out with the, the torchlight, right? So the, the the light version. Now, all of a sudden, it's great for runners. It's great for all of your audience. And you can market to all those, but also an expanded audience. I mean, this works for everything, for any, any kind of walking your dog outside, or a lot of areas where the, the run bell might not work but as, as well, potentially. So that's a great, right. I would say, piece of advice for audience to pay attention as you think about expanding your line of products. Start small, start with that niche, a real focus. And once you've got that, now you can expand and go gradually broader with bigger audience, which means potentially bigger revenue opportunities as you continue to grow the business. Anyways, I want to mention that, but is there anything else that comes to mind that I didn't ask you that you think would be helpful for our audience.
2: When I listened to, I, I really listened to most of your podcasts, John. And then uh, I found myself kind of left out because, um, well, I'm not that big. Like most of your guests were so successful already. And then maybe they call themselves startups, but, you know, hey, I am the startup. <laughs> I am really like so so humble, uh and then I feel like, hey, if you were talking give a million dollars sales or those kind of thing,' that really overwhelm me so if um I can connect to some of the listeners of yours, like someone like us like really have a good idea, maybe even having to start to uh manufacture anything, but Thinking someday, one day, I really want to do something. Maybe those people can relate to us better. <laughs> and then, yeah, but I don't know how to address. But yeah, it's just wanted to message them. Don't be afraid. Um, you get there slowly but surely. Don't try to. Uh, I don't know. It's just I really want to message to those people, encourage them um your idea definitely should be known by people so let's let's do it how can we do it how can we manage that i don't know
0: (laughs) it's encouragement right it's it's great to hear from uh, people like you who have had had a great success to talk about that early part of the journey because it's we never look at that like that's why i love doing this show is we a lot of our interviews, we talk about the, the early days, uh, which are hard. And frankly, struggles continue, right? Running any business is, is hard. They're just different trials along the way. But but in the very early days, you wonder, is this ever going to make it? Is it ever going to turn that corner? And we just need that encouragement, I think. So it's great to hear from you to encourage our audience. And as I said, you know, everybody listening should find their cheering section. And hopefully today's interview helped. But if not- or either way, find people personally in your lives that, that can truly be your, your cheering section. So great advice. Thank you. I do want to encourage our audience, go please check out their website, which is runbell.com. It's run hyphen or run dash bell.com. Anybody who's driving, it's in the show notes, always go back to uh, and find it later on. Right now, there's a site-wide 20% discount on the on the website that runs through the end of 2023. So if you're looking for a gift for a runner, or the light for anybody who spends time in in the outdoors. Uh, Both great gift ideas. So run-bell.com. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Both of you were fantastic today. So thank you so much for sharing your your story with our audience.
2: Thank you so much, John.
0: Thank you for having us. Be sure to check out run-bell.com to learn more. And be sure to check out harvestgrowth.com to see other episodes we've recorded If you'd like to take a shortcut and learn the process that we've used to launch hundreds of products since 2007, you can download our secret sauce, our product marketing campaign cheat sheet, right from harvestgrowthsecretsauce.com or go to our website, harvestgrowth.com. You can set up an appointment right from the site to speak directly with a member of the Harvest Growth team in a free one-on-one consultation.